Hi everyone, thanks again for tuning in to the Logical Bible Study Podcast and for following on with what we're doing here, which is digging into the literal sense of the text to work out what's the author trying to convey to his original audience. And that's called an analysis or an exegesis of the um, literal sense of the text, which is where we always want to start as Catholics. So, Continuing today for Easter Tuesday, we're looking at John chapter 20, verses 11 to 18, which is the passage you would hear if you go to Mass today. Mary stayed outside near the tomb, weeping. Then, still weeping, she she stooped to look inside and saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head, the other at the feet. They said, Woman, why are you weeping? They have taken my Lord away, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. As she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, though she did not recognize him. Jesus said, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have taken him away... Tell me where you have put him, and I will go and remove him. Jesus said, Mary. She knew him then, and said to him in Hebrew, Rabunai, which means master. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go and find the brothers, and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So Mary of Magdala went and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. So that's our passage for today. And our key character here is Mary Magdalene, who, of course, is one of Jesus' closest followers. And she's been um, in the Gospel of John in the last couple of chapters surrounding his death and his burial. So what's just happened in John chapter 20? So Mary Magdalene earlier in this chapter, she saw the empty tomb and she runs back and tells Peter and John. And then you'll probably remember Peter and John run back to the tomb and they see the clothes rolled up. So Mary Magdalene has come back with Peter and John and now she is sort of waiting at the tomb. Now what we're going to see here in this text is the second appearance of Jesus after his death. So the first appearance, chronologically, it appears is to the women who are on their way to tell the other disciples about the empty tomb. So that's already happened, perhaps an hour or two hours before this. And now we have Jesus appearing again um, to Mary Magdalene at the the tomb. So verse 11, Mary stayed outside near the tomb weeping. So again, we need to try and break free of the videos we sometimes see of this scene. At this stage, Mary's not in the tomb. In fact, she doesn't appear to go into the tomb at all here. She's outside the tomb nearby. Peter and John have left by now, so apparently she's alone. And she's weeping. And she's weeping because, as we find out, she does not know where the robbers have put the body. She thinks that his body has been stolen. Even though she's probably seen the angel descend from heaven, she just doesn't understand. Where is the body? She thinks a robber has stolen it. Now, this weeping might recall something that was said earlier by Jesus in John chapter 16. John says to his disciples, 
You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will become joy. So there's an interesting link there. So now she stoops to look inside. So she looks inside the tomb. Verse 12, she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and the other at the feet. Now, these angels weren't there before when Peter and John looked in the tomb, which was shortly before this. So apparently these angels have appeared just for Mary. They're there on a mission to help Mary in this situation. They know that she doesn't believe Jesus has risen, and they're there to help her believe that he has. So they say to her, why are you weeping? So they want Mary to realize that there is no reason to weep. Interestingly, Mary doesn't appear to be afraid of the angels, although usually in the Bible people are afraid of angels. Or maybe she doesn't realize who they are. She's so distraught. So she says to them, They have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. So notice the language of my Lord shows the intimate personal relationship which she has with Jesus. Before this, she talks about we don't know where they have put him. Now it's where have you put my Lord? I don't know where he has gone. So she considers Jesus to be not just a friend, but her personal Lord and master. She's deeply distraught here. Verse 14, as she turned around, so get the picture, she now turns and looks back outside the tomb. She saw Jesus standing there, though she did not recognize him. So apparently Jesus has teleported here from his first appearance in Jerusalem. Apparently he hasn't walked because otherwise he would have run into people. So he's somehow invisibly moved from Jerusalem to the tomb. And that's because Jesus only wants to appear to particular people for the next 40 days. He doesn't want to appear to other others, only the certain ones that he picks. Now, interestingly, why doesn't she recognize Jesus? There's a lot of discussion about this. I think there's three main theories about why Mary doesn't initially recognize Jesus. One is that her vision is blurred by the tears and she's just distraught and not thinking properly or something like that. Second option is that Jesus himself is taking on a different appearance than what he had before. And that would fit in with some of the other appearances Um later in the Gospels, such as on the road to Emmaus, the two people are walking with him the entire way to Emmaus, but they don't recognize him. And it's also the explanation that the catechism prefers. It tends to lean in this direction. Um, So on this theory, Jesus looks different in his glorified body. And in fact, maybe he can choose to appear in different forms. That's the theory that I think is most likely to be correct. And there's a third theory, which is that God has imposed some sort of supernatural blindness on Mary of Magdalene here. It's a supernatural thing. And when she recognizes him, it's like the scales fall from her eyes kind of thing. Um, and to support that, we have Luke twenty four sixteen, which is on the road to Emmaus. It says, the disciples' eyes were prevented from recognizing him. So it depends how we take that. As I said, I think the best way to interpret this is that Jesus is actually appearing in a different form, although that's not the only explanation. Now, there might be some parallels here to what happened to Peter and John, or Peter and the beloved disciple just before this. Remember, they arrived at the tomb, they see the cloths, but they do not know exactly what it means. Similar to Mary Magdalene here, in both cases, neither party has the gift of faith in the risen Jesus. They see, but they don't understand. 
Verse 15, Jesus says to Mary Magdalene, woman. Now, that's not a demeaning term. It sounds like that to us in the 21st century. But in that culture, it was pretty common to refer to women just as woman. Jesus uses it several times in the Gospel of John when he wants to redefine relationships with those he addresses. So at the wedding of Cana, Jesus calls his mother woman, and it's not an insult. It's just kind of a title. And we'll talk more about that when we look at the wedding of Cana. So Jesus is not insulting Mary Magdalene by calling her woman. He says, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? So Jesus here doesn't immediately come right out and say, I'm Jesus. He wants Mary to be the one to engage in the conversation before he says anything like that. Now, when he says here, what or who are you looking for? Some scholars think John includes this statement deliberately to call back to something that Jesus says right at the start of the Gospel of John. When Jesus first speaks to the disciples, he says, what are you looking for? That's in chapter 1, verse 38. So now Jesus here says to Mary Magdalene, who are you looking for? So perhaps it's signaling a new era for Jesus' disciples where he's redefining his relationship with them after the resurrection. She supposes him to be the gardener. So apparently Jesus' tomb was in some sort of garden field, and we see that in chapter 19. And there would be a gardener that would work in this area, cleaning up the field and keeping watch over the tomb. So she says, Sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and remove him. So Mary here thinks that the gardener might have removed him because maybe the gardener didn't want anyone to be in this tomb and he's just cleaning up the area. So Mary offers to remove him herself. She says, just tell me where he is, please, and I'll move him. At this point, Jesus says, Mary. Now, something about the way he says it makes Mary recognize him. Maybe it's his voice. Maybe it's the gentle way he says it. And this recalls Jesus' own teaching about the good shepherd. Remember, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and I call my sheep by their names. So there's an interesting link there. And then, in fact, this is John chapter 10 about the good shepherd. Verse 4 of John chapter 10 says, Mary, well, um, my sheep recognize my voice. And here, Mary recognizes his voice. She says to him in Hebrew, Rabunai, which means master. So John clarifies what this Hebrew word means because his audience is not Jewish. And he wants them to understand the full force of what Mary says here. It's a term of deep reverence for one's personal teacher, Rabunai. Now, many people suppose that at this point, because of what Jesus says next, they think that maybe Mary Magdalene worships him and clings on to him, but not necessarily. Verse 17, Jesus here says, and this is where the confusion sometimes lies, do not cling to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. Now, this is a good passage to do an exegesis on. A lot of people interpret this to mean that Mary is physically clinging onto his legs and Jesus here is saying something like, don't touch me or don't worship me because my body is unclean or something like that. I don't think that's the right interpretation. When he's talking about clinging, he's not talking about physical clinging. There's two possibilities of what this could mean. It could mean something like this. Jesus is meaning, I'm still here with you for a little while longer. There's no need to cling to me. I'm yet to leave you to go to the Father. So it's kind of a reassuring, I'm going to be here with you for a bit longer. There's no need to cling to me. Second option would be, 
do not hold on to the old version of me and old version of discipleship. There's now a new state of affairs. I'm not going to associate with you in the same way anymore. So Jesus is drawing her attention to the fact that there's now a new era and she needs to think about things differently. Either interpretation could be right there. Now, this is a really important verse, though. Just think about what he says. Do not cling to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. This tells us that Jesus' journey is not yet finished. Even after his death, even after his resurrection, there's still things that he needs to do. He hasn't yet gone to heaven and returned to the Father's side, and that's going to happen later at the ascension. There's a lot of significance to why Jesus has to ascend. There's a whole lot you could say about it, because this is when Jesus' glorified human body gets reunited with God's own inner life, which of course opens the way for all men to be united to God in that same way. Remember that Jesus said earlier at the Last Supper, he said, where I'm going, you cannot follow unless I go there first. And so that's the same kind of idea with the ascension. He says, but go and tell the brothers, which is the disciples. And we've talked about why Jesus uses the term brothers in the last few podcasts. Go and find the brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So Jesus wants Mary Magdalene to go and tell the apostles that Jesus' story is not yet over. He still has work to do. And in particular, she wants her to tell them, I'm going to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Why does he use language like that? It could be a couple of things. It could be that Jesus wants to emphasize that he's going to be with God, as in the God that you Jews believe in. That's where I'm going. And so he wants them to realize how serious this is. I am literally going to God. It could be, and this is probably more likely, that by Jesus' death and resurrection, he has radically changed the relationship between God and man. So whereas previously, Jesus mostly just referred to God as his own father, now, because of his death and resurrection, he's saying that you disciples can call him your father as well. So that's um, another way of looking at it. They're children of God. And that's why they're Jesus' brothers, because of what Jesus did through his saving work on the cross. We finish with verse 18. So Mary of Magdala went and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. So she relays the message. The next thing that occurs on this day, a lot happens on this Easter Sunday, is later in the day, Jesus appears to the apostles. And we'll look at that um, in a later episode of the podcast. So let's have a look at how the Catholic Church, um, what the Catholic Church tells us about this passage and how it informs our understanding of church teaching. There's quite a few references to this particular passage because of the interesting things that Jesus says about himself here. So firstly, in paragraph 640 and 641, in the section about the empty tomb, we have a discussion about Mary Magdalene's role in that. And we've read that out in the last couple of episodes, so I'll include that in the show notes for you to read. Paragraph 645 has a discussion about the condition of Christ's risen humanity. And here the church tells us why it is that Jesus appears to look different after, or at least why people don't recognize him after his resurrection. Paragraph 645 says... By means of touch and the sharing of a meal, 
the risen Christ establishes direct contact with his disciples. He invites them in this way to recognize that he is not a ghost, and above all to verify that the risen body in which he appears to them is the same body that had been tortured and crucified, for it still bears the traces of his passion. Yet at the same time, this authentic real body possesses the new properties of a glorious body, not limited by space and time, but able to be present how and when he wills. For Christ's humanity can no longer be confined to earth, and belongs henceforth only to the Father's divine realm. For this reason too, the risen Jesus enjoys the sovereign freedom of appearing as he wishes, in the guise of a gardener, or in other forms familiar to his disciples, precisely to awaken their faith. So here you'll hear in that last bit, the church understands that Jesus is appearing in a different form here, which Mary sees as the gardener. Paragraph 443 is a discussion about the term um, your father and my my father from this passage. It says he distinguished his sonship from that of his disciples by never saying our father, except to command them, you then pray like this, our father. And he emphasized this distinction by saying my father and your father. So the church actually takes that to mean that um, when Jesus says my father and your father, there's a distinction between the closeness that Jesus has with his father and the closeness that the apostles have with the father. Paragraph 654 is a discussion about the significance of um, the resurrection. And it says, Jesus himself called his disciples after his resurrection, go and tell my brethren, we are brethren not by nature, but by the gift of grace, because that adoptive filiation gains us a real share in the life of the only son, which was fully revealed in his resurrection. And then in paragraph 660, we have a really um, interesting discussion of why Jesus says these words about do not cling to me and what it means about the time period between his resurrection and his ascension. So paragraph 660 says, The veiled character of the glory of the risen one during this time is intimated in his mysterious words to Mary Magdalene. I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. This indicates a difference in manifestation between the glory of the risen Christ and that of the Christ exalted to the Father's right hand, a transition marked by the historical and transcendent event of the ascension. So we don't often talk about the ascension and what it means theologically, but the Catechism takes it quite seriously, as does the whole Catholic faith. And this particular verse from John chapter 20 is used as a key verse in understanding the significance of the ascension. And then in paragraph 2795, which is in the discussion about the line, who art in heaven from the Our Father, there's, it's a, simil- a similar point is made about what it means to say that God is in heaven and that Jesus ascended there. So I'll put that paragraph in the show notes as well. Thank you for listening and for supporting this podcast. Please consider becoming a patron of the podcast. There's some exclusive bonuses available to you. Um, the first of the episodes which are kind of the secret or hidden gospel exegesis episodes, they're now available um, for those of you who decide to become patrons. And there's a whole lot of other awesome stuff there. Please keep this ministry in your prayers, share it around, and we'll see you again tomorrow.